Hi, good morning, Sarepta Church. Once again, it's a joy to be back with you this morning and to share God's word with you. It's an honor and a privilege. And thanks again to Alan and the team for this uh, opportunity given to me to share God's word. So we, I'm talking about prayer. And I've called this little mini-series that I'm doing, Lord, teach us to pray. I've chosen the words of the disciples from Luke 11 verse 1, that when they saw Jesus praying in a certain place, they were so impressed, they were so moved and attracted that, they, that when he had finished praying and came back to them, he said, they said, Lord, please teach us to pray because something meaningful happens when you pray. It's obviously very real and personal to you. And we know John the Baptizer taught his disciples to pray. So please teach us to pray. So that's what I'm talking on. And the first talk um, I, I did focus basically on introducing prayer, introducing this concept of learning with Jesus how to pray. And not only learning from him, but learning with him. But today I want to get into the text and talk specifically about Luke 11 and what Jesus teaches. So the second talk, uh, we can call it um, learning from Jesus' teaching on prayer. And then next week, I will teach on learning from Jesus' ex example of prayer. And then the fourth talk will be learning from Jesus' source of prayer. So today, learning from Jesus' teaching of prayer. So once again, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 11, and we will go through the text and I'll make comments as we go along. But I do want to pause again and just say, Jesus, I honor you as king. I honor you as head of your church. And thank you again for this opportunity to break the bread of life and share it with your people. Lord, help everyone who hears uh, this teaching. Help them to receive the word of truth that sets us free. Holy Spirit, open our minds. Instruct our hearts. Teach us to pray. We really need your presence and your help, Lord. God, move us into a new place, a new dimension of prayer and growth and communion with you and collaboration with you. I pray that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, guide my words. What is not of you, let it fall to the ground and die. What is of you, Lord, may it bring much fruit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Luke chapter 1, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. That's the first verse. And what Luke does is he gives a whole teaching now on prayer from verse 1 all the way down to verse 13 um, in chapter 11. And what is, again, interesting when you, I mentioned the context previously, whenever you interpret a passage of scripture, you first look at the context. Then you look at the particular passage and we looked at the context of Mary being the model of uh, that int intimacy of prayer, which results the communion with Mary as prayer, which results in collaboration, which is the driving out of demons. That's the story that comes after verse 13 of Luke 11. 
where prayer is spiritual warfare that defeats the kingdom of darkness and advances the kingdom of God by freeing people from being mute and all, all, all the forms of imprisonment of evil and brokenness in humanity because of sin. Prayer is the, the, the most mysterious, powerful weapon of warfare available to the people of God to collaborate with God in the advance of His kingdom. Those are the two dimensions of prayer, communion and collaboration. So what then Luke does is in verse 1 and verse 13, he has what is called um, an inclusio, an enclosure of the teaching on prayer. And this is a common device that's used by biblical writers, and this is Luke's theology of how Jesus teaches prayer. So it starts off, Lord, the model example of Jesus praying and the request of all followers of Jesus, teach us to pray. And then the end of verse 13 basically is about the Holy Spirit. He says, if you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him, to those who pray for the Holy Spirit? And so what basically Luke is saying, this is the request. Hard teach us to pray. And the end result is that the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit that we pray for, actually is the source of our praying. It's the empowerment of our prayers. It is the teaching and the training. It is the source of our communion and collaboration. You know, Paul says, picking up Paul here on the Holy Spirit in prayer in Romans chapter 8, he says, we do not know how to pray for as we ought to pray or what to pray for in our weakness. He says, but the Holy Spirit who is in us knows the mind of God and prays in and through us, teaches us to pray. And often with inarticulate groanings and yearnings and cryings out to God, the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray, helps us to pray according to the will of God and the mind of God, so that the prayers may be answered. The Holy Spirit actually is the source of our intimacy with God, is the means of our relationship with God, and is the fire and the fuel of our prayer life, is this intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So let me go through then this passage in Luke 11. Teach us to pray and therefore ends up Ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit because the presence and person and power of the Spirit is the essence of prayer. So then Jesus says, this is how to pray. And he gives them a prayer, which of course we all know. It's generally called the Lord's Prayer, but actually it's the disciples' prayer. Jesus gave it to us to pray. And Luke's version is different to Matthew, and I'll refer to Matthew's version, but Luke's is very much more simpler. And by the way, if you have the NIV, I work from the NIV, New International Version, or the New Revised Standard Version, but if you look in the margin, you will see that some of the oldest manuscripts of the Gospel of Luke have the simpler version, which is translated here in the NIV, of this prayer that Jesus gave us to pray. But some other manuscripts have extra editions slightly longer. That's a bit more 
like Matthew's version. Matthew's version clearly is a longer version. But it starts off, he says, okay, you want to learn how to pray. This is how you pray. When you pray, say, Abba, Father. The Greek here is Pater. But Jesus was Aramaic speaking, which was like a, a dialect of uh, Hebrew. Um, and the common spoken language was Aramaic. And basically, Jesus was well known for his, for this, for his uh, a characteristic of his prayer life is that he actually spoke to God, Yahweh, as Daddy, Abba. The most intimate, personal, first word that a baby learns. Uh, before it says Amma, it says Abba, <laughs> Daddy. I, I made sure that our two kids, when they were born and I taught them how to speak, they first said Daddy before, before Mommy. That's how deeply insecure my male ego is. Nevertheless, Abba, he teaches us to pray Abba. And Paul and the early church was also well known for when they prayed, they started off with Abba. Because, of course, Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, it says that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes in us, he cries out through us, Abba. Romans chapter 8, Paul says exactly the same thing. When we receive regeneration, born again by the Holy Spirit, the first thing we cry, when a baby comes out the womb, it cries, it, it takes its first breath. Prayer is when we are regenerated, born again by the Holy Spirit, our first breath as newborn again babies, we breathe the breath of heaven, the oxygen of heaven. Prayer is breathing the breath of heaven here on earth, which is the Holy Spirit. The instinctive first cry of the newborn baby is Abba, Daddy. <laughs> this intimate communion of identity and belonging. I am born again. I am your child. I am your daughter. You are my daddy, my Abba. So Jesus teaches us to pray, Abba, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone else who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. So this is the short, brief version of Luke. But there are manuscripts, Lucan manuscripts of Luke's gospel, that go back centuries, that also have the other um, phrases that Matthew uses. But simply to say, Jesus, they say, please teach us to pray. And he gives them a pattern of prayer, both a verbal prayer that they learn by heart, but actually is a pattern. You first address God, um, Father, my Father, our Father, Daddy, <laughs> who is in the heavens. And in the heavens is not far away up there in the sky. The, the Hebrew concept of the heavens is the atmosphere right around our head. It is right here. Um, so, Father, who is right here, right now. And there are three requests. We pray, first of all, we acknowledge the Father. We affirm relationship with the Father and His presence right here, right now, by His indwelling Holy Spirit. And then there are three requests around God's interests and three requests around our interests. We start off with what's on God's heart, on God's mind. What? So let your name be respected and honored. In fact, even made holy. 
in all the earth, just as your name is holy in the heavens. You know, God's name is used on people's mouth every second as a swear word, they say. People use blaspheme and use and abuse God's name. If, if we reacted like Muslims reacted, if people said Muhammad as a swear word, as regularly and routinely as the common person uses Jesus Christ as a swear word, then they would have jihad on their hands. But thank God we are not of that spirit. We are of the spirit of Jesus who said, love your enemies. And even while they were blaspheming and driving nails through his hand, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So just to say the first petition Jesus teaches us to acknowledge the Father, establish relationship and identity and presence of the He's here by His indwelling Spirit. And then He says, let your name, name in, in Semitic usage is a person's character, a person's nature. Let who you are represented in Yahweh, Asha Yahweh, I am who I am. That's the name that God gave, this personal name to, to, to Moses at the burning bush. When, when Moses said, well, who are you really speaking to me through the bush? What's your name? And God allowed Moses to be on personal name terms with him, which is profoundly intimate. Later, the Jews said, you can't even attempt to pronounce the name Yahweh. Because uh, it might be blasphemous if you mispronounce it. Therefore, they changed it to Adonai. So that's a long story. Let your name, the integrity of who you are, be, be respected around the earth, even as it is respected in heaven. Let your rule and reign come on earth as it is in heaven. And for the rule and reign of God to come means for his will to be done. In this piece of earth, my body, and then the piece of earth around me, in ever-expanding circles, as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven qualifies all three petitions about the name of God being respected and revered, sanctified, the kingdom of God coming with great power into action, breakthrough, pray for kingdom breakthrough, as His will is done in heaven, and then the will of God. The kingdom of God is the effective range of the will of God. Where God's will is done, His kingdom has come. Where His will is not done, His kingdom has not yet come and broken through into that situation or that person's life. So the kingdom must come into this piece of earth first. My thoughts, my emotions, my body, my will, my choices, my attitudes, my relationships, and in my marriage, and in, in ever-increasing circles, so that wherever my feet tread on this piece of earth, the kingdom comes. His will is done. On earth, in ever-expanding circles, as it is in heaven, because I, through prayer, become an incarnation of the will of God. I learned to pray what Jesus prayed from eternity to eternity. Father, not my will, but your will be done. I am just your servant. I am your son. I am your daughter. 
I'm honored and privileged just to live, to do what pleases you. That's what Jesus taught us to pray, God's interest. Secondly, give us our daily bread. Give us today what we need for today to live well today. Give me the grace, the manner, every morning, the sustenance I need to live well today. And, and, and forgive my failings and wrongdoings as I forgive others. And don't lead me into the testing. The temptation, the word temptation, pyrasmos, is testing, trials. In trials and difficulties, the devil tempts us to question God's character and turn away from God and go into our unresolved escape patterns of addictions and numb our pain. So there's a lot of battle and spiritual warfare because Matthew goes on, please, Lord, don't lead us into the testing. Don't bring us into trials where we are tempted, but rather deliver us from the evil one. Jesus teaches us to pray for deliverance from demons. I don't know what unresolved issues you have and unresolved fear and battles that you have in your life. But in my life, I know I still have got certain demons to tame. <laughs> that reminds me, you know, there was an early desert father who learned from St. Anthony of the Desert, who was in the desert, Egyptian desert, from 300 AD. This guy's name was Evagrios. And I've got texts here from the Desert Fathers where he writes 150 texts on prayer. And it's all his teaching on prayer, Evagrios. And you know, he starts off the first clause and it's, it's listed from number 1 to 150. And number 1 says, when you pray, first of all, ask God for the gift of tears. So that through penthos, the Greek word sorrowing and crying, through repentance, you may tame what is savage in your soul. Let me repeat that. He says, when you pray, first of all, ask God for the gift of tears, so that through sorrowing, you may tame what is savage in your soul. Friends, I don't know what, about you, but I know there's still some untamed stuff in me. There's still some unresolved brokenness in me. There's still even some untamed savageness in my soul. And through prayer, Jesus says, when you pray, this is how to pray. God's interests, your interests, but you end up by praying, oh God, don't lead me into the testing. And if I come into the testing and I'm tempted, deliver me from the demons that will attack me and torment me, and entice me, and seduce me, and discourage me, and lie to me, and depress me. This is spiritual warfare. This is prayer. Because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power and the glory. So that is the prayer that Jesus teaches us to use, not only to pray. It is a prayer that we learn by heart. And I use it often through breathing. I say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And I breathe, I pray it by heart with my breathing so that it enters the very texture of my thoughts, my emotions, and that the word becomes flesh and dwells in my body, and that my spirit begins to pray it at night time. The desert fathers prayed with their breath before Christianity met Hinduism, where it's the mantra prayer, the breath prayer. 
Be that as it may, friends, let me move on and finish, draw this to a close. Then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And, and let me just tell the story. Then Jesus illustrates persistence and faith in prayer. So this is how to pray. He gives them actual words to pray and a pattern of prayer. And then he says, you must persist in it and exercise faith in it. So if you have a friend who comes um, from over next door at midnight and says, look, I've got no food. I've got someone who's visited from far away and I've got no food to feed them. Can you feed me? And of course, the guy's locked up in his house. The picture that Jesus uses is, is very homely. God is in his big bed with all his kids. <laughs> and he says, I'm now sleeping with my whole family. Why do you want to wake up? But because of his chutzpah, because of his persistence, the old English word is importunity. Because of his persistent, cheeky, bold, persistent request, I need bread, give me bread, that the man will get up, open his pantry and say, look, you can have whatever you want. In fact, even take my fridge, but leave me alone. I was having a good kip and you woke me up. Jesus gives a very homely picture that we must pray persistently and ask God because prayer is a matter of pushing through. The more you pray, the more you learn how to pray. And the more you persist and push through, the more your capacity to engage with God and collaborate with God in the mysteries of his kingdom come, that develops and grows within you. Your prayer muscle grows and you become fit for shared life with God and to rule and reign with God now, not only then in the age to come. And then Jesus says, he says, therefore, ask and you will receive. And the Greek tense is what is called the aorist tense, which is the ongoing present. So it actually means ask, therefore, and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. When you pray, push through. Ask and keep on asking. Seek, knock, because it will be given to you. God will answer. And when God answers, he gives the power of the Holy Spirit. Because then Jesus says, suppose you guys who are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. And if you give, uh, you know, um, uh, a fish to your, uh, if your child asks for fish, will you give it a snake? Or if your child asks for bread, will you give it a, a frog? No, if your child asks for fish, you'll give it fish. If your child asks for bread, you'll give it bread. You won't deceive the child and give it a demon or something else. And then he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I'm down at verse 13 of Luke 11. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and keep on asking, who knock and keep on knocking, who seek and keep on seeking in prayer. God, I need bread. People all around me are saying, give me, help me, heal my body. My, my, my aunt is dying of corona. She's in the intensive care. Uh, pray for me, help me, feed me. I'm unemployed. I can't even feed my family anymore. The, the human need is is just overwhelming at this time people are desperate people are desperate we're living in desperate times how the world has changed from last year and it's not going to re 
habilitate anytime soon. We're going to go through another very painful, difficult, challenging year of great human need. And people are knocking on our door. And we look in the pantry of our hearts. And we, we look for resources to feed people. And we find it's empty. And what do we do? We're going to go back to God in prayer and wake God up and say, God, I need food. Give, open up your pantry. Give me the resources of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking for words of knowledge. I'm asking for words of wisdom. I'm asking for gifts of healing. I'm asking for the gift of faith. I'm asking for prophetic words. I'm asking, oh God, for discerning of spirits. Holy Spirit, I need your charismata, your grace gifts, because you are the resource of the kingdom. And you in and through me will feed the multitudes and everyone in need whenever they have need and they come to me because it's your pantry I'm drawing on. That is prayer. Jesus is teaching us to pray. So Lord, thanks again for your amazing word. And Jesus, help us to take to heart what you teach and to practice this and exercise this that we may grow in our communion with you and even more so in our collaboration with you to feed everyone out there who is in need. Holy Spirit, we need you above all else. Please give us the Holy Spirit in all his, her charismata in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, folk. It's a joy being with you. See you next week.